stories brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. My name is Sean. I'm your guest host. And on our show today, we have James Bryan. James is not just an author. He's also a podcaster. And he's written two great books about practical Christian living and working with the Holy Spirit and allowing people to understand when the Holy Spirit speaks. But James, welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's a wonderful time to be able to share for like-minded folks, especially even in different countries, right? So it's, it's a good beautiful. thing. It is absolutely beautiful. A line from your bio that got me is a practical Christian living. Yes, I love that. Exactly. Exactly. Let's start there and unfold a little bit about what what you mean by practical Christian living. Right. So what I've found in my years, and I won't tell you how many years, but in the years of experience and all, is that sometimes people, especially those that call themselves Christ followers, get so much into the spiritual aspect of it. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the day-to-day practical things they never address especially for people who are new to Christianity, they're looking for, well, help me get to where you are. But first, I need the practical understanding. How do I live? How do I just act like the way the Lord wants? And so my perspective and the way the Lord has called me is more of, yes, I got deep spiritual things, but I like to talk plainly to people and give them the practical insights so they can at least start in the right place in their everyday life. So that's kind of what I do. So we're going to back up just a second because you're a very busy man. Off is one thing. Now, as I understand, you're going to be a podcast host as well and as a a speaker. So there's a few things, but God called you into this. So let's go back to how did you get involved with this and, and, and talk a little bit about how God has been working in your life. Okay. So it depends on how far you want to go back. As a child, the Lord began to speak to me, but before all of that happened, my mom died. And so at that point, as a five-year-old, I'm processing that or trying to process it. Went through a lot of times, not really grieving, but just trying to process what's going on in life and, and dealing with a lot of emotional things. But there was this time, and they used to do this on regular television in the US. Of course, they don't do it now. They used to have Christian shows on and Christian things. And at the end, they would have altar call. And so I'm here. I am about seven years old watching. I don't know the name of the the show, but I just remember one of the characters name was Ben and he had a dog. That's all I remember. And at the end, this gentleman is talking, do you want to receive the Lord? And as he begins to speak to that as a seven-year-old, I'm like, what's going on? All of a sudden I feel this pull in this form. And so the Lord began to speak to me. That's when I began to get saved. And from that point on, the Lord worked through me. And as an adult, <laughs> he's been patient with me because I've done everybody else going in different ways, charging for Christ, then kind of getting the detour and then coming back and all that. But in the end, he's led me through, you know, secular work because I still work full time doing other things. And then also in ministry, he pulled me into ministry. And that part, he also pulled me into writing a book. And now the second one's about to come out. And now the podcast, And so he's pulling things out that I didn't know that I was going to be doing, but I've learned in that process how to trust him. So specifically, he called me as a child. I had some support. A lot of folks around me were very nice people, but they didn't have depth at all to help me. And so he had to walk me through step by step to help me to grow in him. And then he just showed me open doors for me. And that's kind of how it worked. 
I'm still here because of his grace, and I'm still able to bless and talk to folks about practical living. The beautiful thing, just to unpack, you talked about early loss in your life. Yes. Grief is a yes. big thing that we all deal with, and sometimes we just try to stuff it on down. I was 14 heading to 15 when my dad passed away, so mm-hmm. I know a little yeah. bit about loss and, right. and trying to stuff things down. God calling you into ministry, was that scary for you? Or did you have an idea what he was calling you into when you first came into ministry? Well, I felt the calling at a young age. In fact, when I was in high school, the local church was trying to get me to go to seminary then. And it was a major blow up in my family and the church. They're like, he's too young. He doesn't need, he don't even know what life is about. All these other things were happening. And I'm looking back and forth as all this was going on. But at that point, I felt the Lord saying, not yet. So then um, you would think that, oh, great, he's going to go and continue to learn. Well, I looked and said, well, everybody else seems to be having fun doing that thing. And so I spent my college years doing that until he said, come back. But I didn't understand the depth of what he was calling me to. All of it was a step-by-step experience with him. And then What I learned to do in that process was trust them because I never understood what the next part was, but I knew he was calling me undeniably to this next part. And then I think what happened is if he has showed me everything in the beginning, I may have run the other way. And so there have been a number of things that he's been opening doors to that I never, ever could have imagined, but he did it. As I said, my mom died at five. I didn't deal with the grief until I was 18. And it took that long. And all of a sudden, one day, I'm like, what is going on with me? And so it took me about a week to get over that. And then he ministered and began to pull me from that. So yes, we have kindred understanding here about how to deal and process with that. I'm glad you got to yours really quick because I was well into my 30s before I finally decided. I I was having enough of this and finally had to deal with it. So yeah, a lot of people who are maybe listening or going, but you guys are Christians. Why couldn't you figure this out? And sometimes we don't always get it right. We, we yes. don't always hear what yes. he's telling us. That's right. It's a process too that you have to go through. So that's what I get to the point when I mentioned practical living. Mm-hmm. The word is powerful and everything, no denying that. But he also brings us through this step-by-step process. And in the getting better, you got to deal with what's happening to you and what's going around. And and so that's why I also have a heart for folks who maybe had a, made a wrong decision and maybe they got stuck in financial issues or behind bars or they got overlooked because I have this belief. And, and sometimes, you know, people look at me and say, I'm just too naive, but there's so much the Lord wants for everybody. And that's why I get into this practical part, because if some people could have the support or love or direction from a pure practical perspective, it can then lead them higher in understanding that the Lord is in that And so these are the things that I've learned. And at a time of going through the grief and everything else and growing up the way I did, there were times I felt alone in a room of 100 people. And so I kind of understand people trying to process their life. And so I always have this heart and longing trying to help them. And that's why even in the first book that I mentioned, it's a very, very simplistic, practical way of dealing with life and trying to get to your goals. And some people said, well, why didn't you go deeper and all that? I said, because I want them to understand. I'm not worried about being famous in that sense. I just want people to get it. It's one of those things. Sometimes we forget we have to have the pablum first. 
Yes, yes. We can have the solid food. Sometimes people will think that, well, if I'm going to become a Christian, I've got to know it all right away. That's not God's way of trying to get through life. It is not. And, and that's what I, I see. I remember, let me give you an example. There was one time, I'm going to say it's somewhere around 2014 or something like that. We had a women's conference. We had some famous people, Jackie Velasquez, some other people come in and so on and so forth. And then at the end, there was this part where there was an altar call. They were about to talk about it. And this lady in this, I never forget was started crying and she said, help me. I don't know how to be saved. Everybody talks about being saved. I don't know what that means. And so because it was so spiritualized, she couldn't connect. And my heart went out. So people went over and said, this is how it is and explained it clearly. That's what I think we need more of trying to help people in general, regardless of where they found themselves in order to give them hope and a direction. You know, you have to explain to spend some time, have some compassion. Most of us could learn a little bit more about living the practical side. I have a dear pastor friend of mine who is quite often quoted by saying, you know, I want people who are not too heavenly minded that know earthly good. Right, Sometimes right. We, we get caught up in trying to do all the super spiritual things, right. but our neighbor doesn't need that. They need us to plow their driveway. They need us right. to bring over a meal. Right. Or one of those things where somebody says, I'm not feeling good today. And then they just say, well, just pray about it. It'll be all right. Sure, that's generally true. But what they need right now is to ask, well, how do I deal with this? So can you talk with me? Can you help me? Can you help me make ends meet for this period of time? Can you stop in your schedule for a minute? Those practical things are real important. One of the things that I often come across when I think about family members and folks that I've come in contact with, there are so many people that will say, well, at some point in time, I want to make it to this level. At some point in time, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But then a week or two or a month or a year later, they've done absolutely zero. And so my question would always be, well, what happened? Did you at least try? Well, I didn't know how. Okay, cool. I can work with that. Let me help you get there. But what I have trouble with is some people say, well, I'll just believe for it. Well, yes, you can, but you also have to do something. And so that's where, again, this practical aspect and then showing people the real side of you and me. Like, I, I love how you were talking about your background because you're doing some wonderful things, but you also had to go through some things and you, you feel free to just share that with folks. And oftentimes people try to be so perfect that they need to sometimes be vulnerable and let people know, yeah, I messed up here and here's how I messed up, but this is how you get out of it. And these are some of the things that you may consider. So I yeah. think in this world we live in that's so accusatory, it's very important for us to be. If we could be, to borrow another phrase, raw and real with people. Yes. Um, I know for myself, Johnny interviewed me a few months back on this very podcast. Oh, okay. And I, and I got to share about, you know, my mess up with the law and my uh -huh. recovery, and uh -huh. I'm still in recovery. And I uh, uh -huh. tell people, I'm always going to be in recovery right. because life isn't perfect. And That's right. we need to realize that there's no perfect people. And we're not trying to give people false hope that there's a perfect church. There's a mm -hmm. perfect God. God, yes. but we have to learn how to live life and live life together. That's right. And that's very true. And so really when it comes to interacting with folks, there's so many ways that we divide ourselves up, unfortunately. Some people will divide up, well, if you're not of my particular church or denomination, I don't want to talk to you. If you don't dress this way, I don't want to talk to you. If you're not in this ethnicity, I don't want to talk. If you don't like this, or here's the one, Johnny would love this one. If you don't like my style of praise and worship music, then it's not good. <laughs> and so it's one of those things I, I tell people all the time, you're setting barriers up that you don't need to be setting up. And even when it comes to praise and worship, I'm really into praise and worship. I can't play an instrument at all, but I can worship really well. And so 
I've learned to love worship music and things like that. Part of it's because I know what God's brought me through and I've shared that with folks, but also I've done praise and worship with bluegrass. I've done um, traditional gospel hymns and, and you name it. And I can find guidance. Right. And so that's not a point of separation. And even with people who may be from different countries and all, that's not a point of separation. We just have to know how to love like Jesus loved us in our mess. When we look at the last well, 20 months or so, yes. we have become so divided in so many areas that the pandemic has really rocked us in the church as well. And it's, this is, this is our opportunity and God has actually used this time. I know for several churches and ministries such as ours, we're able to reach more people now because we're online and people yes. are finding out we need to meet them where they're at instead That's of trying true. to trying to get them to where we're at. That's true. And so now what you're doing is you're using this, I call this digital evangelism, right? And the reason is, and I tell people at church, tell others about not just ours, but other ones too, broadcast wise, because what you're doing, you're sharing the gospel, even if you're just saying, hey, check this episode out. And so you never know how the Lord's going to work it so that you're able to connect the need right then with a message that was already geared and you don't know how it's going to work, but it always works really good. You're able to reach people now in other countries I've read that they would never be at your church physically or your building physically. And you're able to speak to people in a way that you would never be able to do before no matter how hard you tried. And so there's always a benefit. Let me say this one thing and I'll be quiet because I can talk. <laughs> and that is this. Through church history, whenever there's some type of, I'm going to call it pressure, whether it's from enemies or whether it's pestilence or whatever, the message still goes and the Lord ends up pressing people out to other areas and the message continues to go. I may give you a simple example. When the early church was persecuted, they were pushed out in different areas. People fled Jerusalem. But guess what? The message still went with them because they're the church and they were able to spread it to these other areas and it just kept going. But let me leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, James, God brought you into ministry, brought you yeah. through your grief. And then he said, James, I want you to write a book. Let's talk yeah. about the first book that God laid on your heart. Okay. My family would laugh at this and it's true. They know the story. So the book idea started out as a Sunday morning message in 2013. It took me until 2019 to write it. And I kept thinking, this is a great idea. And I start typing real quick. And then five minutes later, I'm not going to do this. This is too much work. How does this all work? I've never written a book before. And I had all these excuses. And I would put it away for a while. Then the Lord would bring you back. I'd do a little more. This is just too much work. But it got to one point that I just felt such a push from him, like, you better get this done. And so in the course of a few months, although it was hard for me to sit there and do it, I just started typing and typing. And I just said, Lord, let this be some blessing for somebody. And then I gave it to the editor. She did a wonderful job. And then at that point, it came out as a book. And so what we've been doing with that book is called Seven Dream Killers. And the issue right there is, first of all, we found that it's been beneficial to Christians and non-Christians. It was written practically, it was designed to do that. Secondly, the seven key things the Lord was really ministering to me on 2013 about these seven things that are in people's lives, simple things that prevent them from ever reaching that dream that they say that they're going to, a God-given dream. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pass. I'm going to do, I'm going to own it, whatever it is. But you got to be diligent 
to get to it. And these things that we call assassins, we designed it that way on purpose because they are designed to stop you from uh, reaching your dream. It kills it. And so we want to make you aware of that. So that's what it was there. It was a, a journey that had a lot of compassion for the Lord because I was kicking and screaming to get this done and I didn't want to do it. And, you know, it was just something that finally it got done. Beautiful. So the title is Seven Dream Killers. I love the title. And now this second book, yes. When the Holy Spirit Speaks, that's not taking you six years to write. So, no. <laughs> so let's delve into that. So, I'm sorry, sorry for the backhanded, you know, pick on you a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I'm being like your family. Yeah, that's right. That's fine. So this is something, if you imagine a busy airport, I guess Toronto may be the busiest one for you guys. Sometimes on a clear day, you see a line of planes coming in, waiting in the line. Well, see, he started giving me like several books that needed to be written. And I'm thinking, I can't get past one. So I finally got to that point. And then afterwards, he started putting this one in, in play. This one took me about a year to write because I started it and then I took a break. But then after he's like, no, get it done by this time. And so then there was this wonderful thing. He had so much mercy on me. I figured out how to do this better instead of me typing because my ideas are going so fast and I can't keep up typing wise. He said, why don't you just dictate? Oh, good idea. I can talk that work. And that's how the book came about. So then my editor was like, oh, yeah, you put a lot more words in this one. But the idea was from a practical perspective. People are misunderstand who the Holy Spirit is. Is he Jesus? Is he not? Is he in place of Jesus? All this other stuff that I hear. And all I want to be able to do based on what the Lord is showing me, just to clearly, practically just say, look, this is what you need to know. We make it so complicated, people, about just learning things. But Jesus always preached in a very simplistic manner. But now everyone wants to get 50 steps to do this and 25 steps to go here. And, and so for someone just trying to learn this, it can be a hurdle. And so that book is now, I just recently sent it to the editor. I've finished my aspect. They're editing it. And hopefully soon I'll get a, a date when, I, when they tell me that it'll be out at that point. So that's something that I think is needed for this time. And it, it's something that will be received well, I hope. Certainly hope so. It, it's a great, and I, I liked how you put it. It's so, some practical advice to teach people about the Holy Spirit. Yes. Now, yeah. we talk in the church about God. We talk about, you know, making disciples, yeah. but there's a place that sometimes we forget, and that's the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about being Christians in the marketplace. Thank you for that. So there's so many people that I've come across that believe Christianity is when you're in church, but when Monday morning comes around, they do whatever they do. And the comments that I get, well, he doesn't care about that. There's a good colleague that I have at one of the places where I work. Nice guy. He must've been a sailor before because of um, his communication style. And he'll go to church every Sunday, but Monday through Saturday night, oh my goodness. And so it's a night. He says, well, it doesn't matter. I went to church and that was enough. I said, but no, that's not what it is. And so the challenge that people have is how to keep their Christian faith in the marketplace. What are the things that they should be accountable to when no one else keeps them accountable or lives the same way? I talk to folks a lot about, well, how do you still uphold what the Lord is putting in you and apply it, but still be able to interact with everybody else around you. He never called us to be pulled out of the earth. He had us in the marketplace anyway. So the love, the compassion, the patience, the diligence to do what you're called to do, all of that is part of being a Christian. You need to show that. But what if my boss doesn't believe in me? It doesn't matter. You're still a Christian. And so 
being faithful, being honest, all those things are part of it. Studying, do the research, making sure you're responsible and encouraging and building up people on your team, even if they don't believe like. And so these are part of how to do it. And then we talk about temptations that people have because there are a lot. And so how do you deal with that? And, and so a lot of times I'll speak with people about how to deal with certain happy hour activities or how to deal with a number of other things that are there in a practical Christian perspective without saying, thou shalt not bother me because I'm a Christian, right? So there's a lot in those areas that people still need to represent Christ where people are because they're in the marketplace. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yep. We're, we're coming down to the home stretch last I minute. I, I want to talk briefly about 30 seconds for each one. What's been the big victory? What's been the biggest challenge here in the 21st century that you see? Let me start with the challenge. The big challenge that I see, not just with me, just in the world today, is fear. Fear during the pandemic was rampant in the churches. Fear in the workplaces, those that once called themselves full of faith kind of forgot. And so that's part of it because even the media and everything that people see is all fear based. Look at the words. So that's the challenge of letting people get back to understanding really there's one who is above everything and that can change everything. That's the first part. Some of the great victories are some of the people that have come to Christ that I've seen that truthfully I never would have thought. And some of them are local that, that have come and given up life to Christ and want to do some changes. I'm like, well, I didn't say it because I, I, I shouldn't do that. But inside I'm thinking, wow, look at what God is doing. I'm seeing more people that are hungry for truth and practicality. And so that's what I'm seeing. Those are victories, not just in our church, not just in every, but I'm just seeing across the board. People have said, give me somebody who can just give me the truth and not all the other stuff so that I can at least digest that. James, we could go on for another hour, I think, because yes, there's so much <laughs> there's so much to unpack. Maybe we'll have to have you as a guest another time after the second book comes out and and, the, and all that podcasting fame goes before it goes to end. <laughs> Sounds good. That that's good. I, I'm I'm more than willing. James, thank you very much for being so gracious with your time and thank you for joining us here on Refuge Freedom Stories. Thank you for having me. God bless. Understand the cornerstone who saved me And what he saved me from the knowledge I'll be praying deep Cause there's no way we'll ever make it If our talk is cheap That kind of walk is for the birds Who only squawk the beak I'm trying to lead you to the place Covered in still waters Where men and women start to realize What really matters And whose profession matched the vision That the Lord inspired That's why they filled up to the brim With all that holy fire And when it pours out And when it overflows You feel it coming with the rapture Of the Holy Ghost So now they see me and they wondering where I've been I just point them to the cross And let them know who died for sin Till they awaken
lost for a long time in my own confusion Always playing for the win but find I'm steady losing But now I realize the deck is rigged and that's a fact The more we rely on our own efforts it sets us back Cause if our righteousness could ever gain us something Well then the savior gave his life for even less than nothing And we'd be walking around with a sense of pride but we fronting When really it's our own works not Jesus who we be trusting So now I'm making rap for the foreigners who live among them And tell them that the king is now coming he has outdone them The victory is one, eternity is sealed We're just waiting for the sons of God to be revealed Who by the fruit you'll know I'm not those lurking in the pews Soon after raising holy hands go home and watch the news And live without a purpose, the world informs abuse Who's still thinking that this life is everything they have to lose Who drive past hungry brothers even give them attitude They believe they all should get a job not knowing that's the dude Who they believe they're praising when they're lifting up a hymn Or the prisoners in prison who they never even think is worth a second thought is that the love of god is that the savior who you claim has purchased you with blood is that the kind of spirit you receive from up above if that's what you've been thinking then dude you need to just awaken Sitting here waiting the Lord's return I know his body broke for me a cause to mourn But then I am reprieved because he paid the price It's the only reason why he even spared my life So sufficient was the cross so that his sacrifice Would be once and for all which fully ratifies The holy wrath of God, the book of Acts, the icing On the wedding cake where he imparts his life The Holy Spirit poured out which enacts the type Of person pleasing God so now I act just like my holy father every time I grab the mic And get you thinking about the truth which gets you hype And then I'm free like Watch them shackles fall off, that's the prophecy The weighty yoke of our sin has no more hold on me I was the worst one sinning but his plan must be Just how his grace changed sinners ain't it clear to see So now I feel compelled to preach the gospel In any form or shape that gets beneath your posture And tell you about the precious love of God that calls you He ain't counting up your sins, instead he died and bought you So in this life if all I have is just this hope alone I know it's adequate to guarantee my travels home But I no heaven wasn't made for just my path That's why I'm pleading with the masses To come out from under wrath and just awaken enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com 
or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.